Every home is a work in progress. When you move into a new house, it takes time to make it your own. Sometimes it's as simple as unpacking your books. In my case, millions of CDs, putting up some photo frames or applying a new lick of paint. For the more ambitious, however, home improvement doesn't stop there. Renovation might be a journey of highs and lows, but it's also a journey of home. It's all about making your property dreams a reality. I'm Anita Rani, and I am a self-confessed property addict. And this is No Place Like Home, a podcast brought to you by Hampton's estate agents, home experts since 1869. Now, throughout the year, I'm going to be meeting a range of celebrated guests and experts to talk all things property. Whether you're a first-time buyer, renter, or seasoned homeowner, we'll answer your burning questions and confront the unique challenges facing our customers in 2023. At Hamptons, we know a house is much more than just four walls and a roof. It's where memories are made, laughter is shared, and comfort is found. From home cooking to outdoor living, redecorating to refurbishing, we'll be reflecting on all those little things that make a house a home. Renovation represents value added to your property and your lifestyle. I'm going to be chatting with a face you'll recognise from your TV screens, but he's more recently built a new career and cemented himself, no pun intended, as a DIY expert. Let's just say he's no longer in the bungalow. Later on, I'll also be joined with Hampton's property expert, Vicky Broad, and she'll be talking about the best ways to invest in property renovation and how you can achieve affordable and sustainable results in 2023. But first, on to my guest. He launched his career as part of TV's cherished comedy double act, Dick and Dom. But today he's here to talk about something slightly different from tearing up floorboards, replacing radiators or upcycling wardrobes. Dom is a newfound expert in home improvement. Dom, welcome. And over 350,000 people are following you on this journey online. Whole new world for you. Mm. And, uh, you know, like a lot of exciting things, it all happened with no plan yeah. and totally by accident. So before we talk about it, because mm. um, we are going to get into this whole new world, let's discuss where you are with life generally. You know, how is TV stuff? What have you got planned? What's coming up? Well, it's great because aside from all this exciting new stuff that's happening, uh, myself and Dick, Rich, I'll refer to him as Rich from now on because that's, that's, you know, my best mate. We call each other Rich and Dom. So um, we are constantly working as we always have been. Uh, I think we celebrated 27 years working together this year. Yep, it's been a long and wonderful friendship and wonderful career. He has to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Would he say the same? I think he would. Um, and we are preparing to go hit the road at the moment to uh, take Dick and Dom into Bungalow, which is the show that puts us on the map, really, um, on a 20-year anniversary theatre tour all over the UK. So we basically are doing a stage adaptation nostalgic celebration of the show. So we've got the set, we've got a lot of the characters on the sh on the stage and we're going all over the UK and the audience, there'll be no kids in the audience, I don't think. It's going to be mainly 18 to 40-year-olds, I would have thought so. Because all the kids that watched you on TV are grown-ups now. They all grew up. Yeah, so we we kind of found this out because we we had a stage show that we've been doing for years called Dick V Dom. It's like a game show on, on the stage and, and it was a family show and we used to do it in festivals all over the country. We used to do it in the Butlins holiday camps. We used to do it in Edinburgh Festival. But whilst we were there, we decided, our promoter, Brett, said, why don't you try a late night version? You know, for, for, for slightly <laughs> drunk people, for 11 o'clock at night. 
in the Edinburgh Festival, we were like, oh no, it's going to be a nightmare. They'll, they'll be heckling us and stuff like that. And we turned up and the place went absolutely berserk. They were like leading comedians in the it. audience as well. And we didn't do it any differently from the daytime show, but they went nuts. And it was Rich who suddenly went, well, why don't we do the bungalow? Why don't we bring it back? And we've been DJs for years when we lived together. And now we are kind of going out uh, to massive drum and bass clubs and, and DJing as dumb, drum and bass DJs. Uh, I mean, we literally could have a parallel conversation about drum and bass. Oh, like, really? Yeah, we could talk from early to late 90s because oh, well, that goodness. is like my era. Yeah. I mean, is there a better era? Well, we'll have to Although get you along to one of the, uh, one of the gigs. Oh, mate, I'll be, right, I'll be right at the front. Off. Should we talk about yes. your life and how it changed during lockdown? So yeah. let's let's go back to the story of you buying a property in 2020, what happened? Well, um, we had to buy a place fairly quickly. Uh, we were in rented because we'd sold our place about 10 months ago. And we had to get out quick because they wanted to move in. So it, to, to, to get the sale, we, we knew we had to go into rented for a bit. We were like, fine, that's all right. So we did that. And then we were like, oh, no, we need to get moved. Then we saw that suddenly, as we found a place that we liked, uh, the pandemic was starting to hit. And we had to exchange very quickly. And we did. But the house we bought was a humongous renovation project. It's the kind of, you know, when you look at like Hampton's website, you look at all the properties they've got, and some of them have been sat there for a little while, longer than others. They sell them very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in some of them, you see them, they've been sat there for a while. Yeah. And then you look through the photos and then you understand why. Because I'd say 90% of people won't want to tackle that side of a project. It was one of those. Yeah. And we, we we went there and looked at it and went, oh, my goodness. I mean, from the outset, when you looked at the front of it, you thought everything was overgrown. It had bamboo growing in front of the bay windows in the front up here. And bamboo, as you know, it's impossible to get rid of. And that was just the outside. And the inside, it was it was one of those places that if you've got a spare 200,000, you'd be like, wicked, let's go for it. We didn't. And also, because the pandemic hit, I lost all my work as well. So suddenly the money that we had from the sale of our house that we were going to be using to do it up, we were then living off that. Um, so it was a very tricky situation to be in. What did you see? Because I bought a house exactly like that. This, the house oh, that you? needed, yeah, it was, as I used to say, it's the most butter's house on the street. But it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not anymore. Uh, but so what? what is it? What did you see that no one else saw? So what I could see was a house that had been massively loved and lived in before. And I know that there'd been a family that had lived there and been really happy for many, many years. So you knew that it was a decent plot in a decent area. That's what I knew. Uh, and I could see the potential. You know, if you've got that vision of, instead of going, oh, look at that, it's not my taste. Oh, look at that, all that needs doing. Instead, if you can step back and go see what it could be, then that's all you need. And you've got to have guts as well. Mm. You've got to be patient. You know, you've got to know you're going to be living in something that's not what you would be living in for a good two or three years. Was the plan to always do it up yourself? Uh, no, the plan wasn't to do it up ourselves at all. The plan was to get people to, to come in and, and do the, the main, main work that I don't know how to do. And then I'll do a bit of decorating and stuff on the side. Turned out I suddenly had a lot of time on my hands we didn't have any work because most of mine and Richard's work is, is working on live events and suddenly they were all gone uh, so I had a lot of time and I had no budget so there was only one thing for it and and I, I said to Sandy right here we go your wife yep I said here we go should we do it she went okay now her dad was one of my heroes he was a a builder and renovator what's his name Tommy Tommy so oh. Tommy was my hero 
Yeah. And uh, I learned so much from him anyway. I used to follow him around all the properties he was renovating and I'd help with him. And we invested in a couple of places, which we sold now, but we uh, invested in a couple of places up north and I helped him renovate them. So I used to watch and learn from him all the time. And I channeled my inner Tommy and so I went, okay, let's do it. And I can remember so clearly we had about two weeks where we were finishing off the tenancy that we were living in. So I can remember vividly picking up uh, his old uh, drill screwdriver that he'd given me and undoing the first brass screw mm. from the front door. I went, here we go. And from that moment, I was committed. I couldn't stop. I love that this is emotional already, mm. that there is Tommy, mm. Sandy's dad, mm. who you're, you were channeling. Also, she's his daughter, so she's up for a bit of work by the sounds of it. And the yeah. two of you, and you're right, I bought this drill from Argos, Tom. <laughs> And it, my dad called it the embarrassment oh, because great. it was this massive, like, I mean, it was like, it was a hammer drill oh, because the walls yeah. were so thick. Yeah, with a bit on the side. And I put my own shelves up and they were wonky forever, but I still remember, I get emotional thinking about yeah. putting those shelves up because yeah. I did it. You did it. Yeah. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to not worry. You've not got to, the, the expectations you've got to have when you do a renovation work yourself is it's not going to be as good as trade. Mm. Trade are the most talented, incredible people out there. They really are. I'm always in awe of them. I like fangirl when I when trade ever come around to my house when, and I'm when watching. When they turn up. <laughs> and um, and, and it, the level of their work is so incredible. Yeah. I just can't believe it. And your work when you, as a DIY, you're never going to be at that standard. But if you can achieve something yourself, surely that's a great thing to do, isn't it? When you, look, when oh, you, yeah. you put that shelf up, you did it. Yeah. Tears to my eyes. I mean, the books were always on a slant, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it added character. So what was the first thing you did? Where, where did you tackle this house? The living room was first, and I remember just ripping back the carpet that had been there for a very long time, and it was thick in dust and stuff. And masks on, goggles always, because um, there's a lot of hazards in those carpets. So we, we took it outside, and then there were some floorboards that were all right. So I couldn't hire anything around that time during the pandemic. So I couldn't hire any belt sanders, drum sanders, uh, anything like that. So I literally had a little clip sander that plugged into the wall and I was working through the night, detached house, and so no one could hear, just sanding floorboards, just almost crying, picking out staples with my pliers. So I couldn't get any plasterers because you just couldn't get any trade in your house then. This was like intense lockdown period. So I was just having to get some easy fill and just, just from B&Q was still open. And I was just trying to fill any bits that I possibly can, sanding it all down. It was hard work. I've got to be honest. Looking back, I've not actually, so, I've actually blocked a lot of it out. But now when you look back, it was insane. It was crazy. I feel like this is going to be a bit of therapy for you. Well, talk, it kind of is. It's this. just really bizarre because no. I'm now able to do bits of DIY in my own time but I was up against the clock. I had a family relying on me. There might be people listening to this who would not even know what those tools are that you're talking about mm. and quite fancy doing this. Yeah. And we know that Tommy was, you know, your inspiration. Like, mm. how did you, how do you even know where to start? If someone is listening, it's like, what, how do you even know? Is it going on YouTube? Do you just Google? Like, what do you do to figure out where to begin oh. if it is just you and nobody to help you? We've always, me and Sandy have always renovated properties. So we've always bought flipping, I think they call it. So you bought one, done it up, moved on, bought one, done it up, moved on. And just through that passage of time, and I mean, I'm 45 now, we've started in our 20s. I've just learned as I've gone along from other builders, other trades, bit of YouTube, but also just, yeah. just, just common sense and just stopping and thinking, I wonder how, what I should do here. But yeah. generally asking people. Yes, exactly. Because I started in a little two-bedroom flat. And exactly that, you know, you buy the embarrassing drill, but you learn 
Let's talk about some of the challenges because you mm. said I I got that that image of you working through the night, sanding, picking out the staples from the floor. Mm. I can feel the pain of that as yeah. someone who has you know stayed up doing. Yeah. sanding out of a banister. You've done it. it. I've done it. I've done it all. I mean, I've not done to the extent that you've done, yeah. but, you know, I've definitely done my own home improvements. Mm. And it is hard work to the point where it, it breaks you. Mm. So let's talk about the point where you hit rock bottom before yeah. before we take you on yeah, the journey yeah, 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 of going yeah. no, up. Again. Absolutely. I think the job that sticks in my head the most was, again, early days, one of the first jobs that I did. Um, once I got it kind of vaguely livable, I knew I wanted to look aesthetically pleasing and i've always lived in like this house i've always lived in old old houses victorian mm. houses. i grew up in like, georgian houses I, I love it and this is a 1930s house so it's kind of slightly void of character all, all the kind of character that i like and the staircase that they had no banisters uh they had the paneling that goes up you know the kind know of it. very 1970s paneling that goes up so you can't see through it and i looked at it and went ah and there was the newel post was just a just piece of wood like that just a, um very just very solid there was no no detail in it and I went, right, I'm going to put in a banister set. Mm. And Sandy was like, you've never done this before, but you can do it. Go for it. And powered by my ADHD, which I do, um, I just went, right, here we go. Went off to B&Q, got all the stuff, looked at a couple of YouTube videos, uh, but then, you know, measured things correctly. Best bit of advice for yes. any DIYers, measure twice, cut once. Oh, I like that. Measure twice, cut once, because you'll only have one go at cutting it. If you get the wrong size, you're in a lot of trouble. So, and I managed to install in a couple of days a whole banister set on the landing, going round the stairs and down the stairs, a new new post in the bottom. And I'd never done that before. And suddenly the house was starting to look like a home that I would want to live in. Lovely. So that was the biggest achievement in, in the early days. But very difficult. Yeah, really hard. Yeah. Really, really hard. And once you started, you can't you stop. Can't and I think stop. once you're committed, you know what you're going to have? A half done... Balance to set. You can't. You gotta carry on. But there comes that point in, and anyone listening to this who's done any prop, big home improvement job, mm. with the amount of dust in your house mm. where you haven't got a roof or a carpet or a kitchen or whatever, and you, yeah. it's, an, you could, it's another ping of the microwave for your dinner. <sighs> and there comes a point where you just, because I remember sitting on my steps, with, literally with my head in my hands, going, "What have we done? Yeah. What have we done?" Mm -hmm. And it it really tests your relationship as well, doesn't it? Well, it's one of those funny things. We we kind of definitely worked on it together as a team me and sandy like she being tommy's daughter she was no stranger to renovation and hard work and graft and uh we just kind of we just went this is what we've yeah. got to do we just we looked at gratitude so gratitude got us through it so we were like why are we grateful today we're grateful because we're in an opportunity yeah this house is a huge opportunity to turn it into something that we will feel is ours and obviously to make money in the in the in the long run, but that wasn't our primary goal. The primary goal was to make it into a family home. Yeah, and then you know the satisfaction of once it's all done. Yeah. Um, Do you know what the funny thing is? I'm thinking about another project that was really hard work during the pandemic as well. It was when it was. Um, I knew I had a spring coming up. I think it was spring of 2021 coming up. And we weren't allowed to go in for walks in the park. Do you remember that? We yeah, weren't. We couldn't go outside, none of that. Did you have a garden? Yeah, we got a lovely big garden, right? Lovely big garden. But that needed, I completely landscaped that. So I, I, there was like a, a wilderness in the back of it, which, of which was just brambles. I hacked everything, root balled trees and put them in Did different you parts of the gardens. Do you sleep? No, I don't need much sleep, so it's fine. But this garden, I pushed most of it back, so I gained an extra third of the garden. Then, uh, then I thought I need to give the kids something to do in the garden because we can't go out. So I dug a trampoline into the into the 
garden on my own. With How- a, you, you, meant, you meant to use a mini excavator <laughs> and a skip and, and a team of about three people. I had a spade and a wheelbarrow and that was it. So what I did is I dug out. It's all on my um, Instagram and I think it's on TikTok. No, it's just on the Instagram. <laughs> you meant to and have I, an excavator. I had a, I had a teaspoon. Sp- yeah, I had yeah, a teaspoon yeah, exactly. and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Short shank it's ridiculous. So... I dug out a whole massive trench um, and and got rid of all the soil and pushed it to the back of the garden. Then I got some sleepers and I, I put it in so it actually looked like a raised bed in the back. So I utilised that soil in the very back, um, which I still haven't planted anything in because it's like clay. But then dug in the kids an in-ground trampoline. It was insane. But you you were fueled by adrenaline yeah. during this period and you had to just do what you had to do. And we had the luxury of time as well. There is that as well. I um, had a lot of time on her, which you're right, was, was a massive bonus. That is such a great story because it instantly puts you into very cool dad status. That is the story your kids will be telling their kids. Your granddad yeah. dug the trampoline yeah. in the garden. It's beautiful, <laughs> Dom, it really is. But talking of the kids, mm. yes, it was lockdown and yes, you had time, but you had to homeschool as well. As yeah. doing all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's yeah, yeah. a lot of pressure. How old were the kids? Uh, well, they would have been, gosh, 10, 12. Yeah, I mean, like that. That... Well, one was started in secondary school as well. So that's active. They are, they... It was hard. I, I, we found the whole home learning thing incredibly difficult whilst being in a project, living in... It was, it was, a, it was a very hard period, mm. uh, but a very kind of... You know, I think we all got through it, all right. We've all come out the other end of it, all right, and the kids are very happy and, you know, we've got a nice family home, luckily. What about the most satisfying moments? What did you enjoy in particular? What was the best? I mean, the banister sounds lovely, but that, I think that was hard work. What did? You, what was the pleasurable bits? I um, put together um, these kind of, kind of DIY um, built-in wardrobes in my, my son's bedroom, so they look purpose-built. Uh, and it's great. So instead of getting someone to do it, you, if you can, you can do it yourself. And it all comes arrives flat pack. Anyway, so I did that, and I used the mini roller. The sponge rollers, instead of the woolly ones, sponge ones give a finish like it's been spray-coated. Beautiful. There's my top tip. My top tip. But um, so much that's fine. I think sponge roller. Sponge roller is beautiful. But I think a satisfying yeah. one is one I did recently where I tiled my front porch um, and kind of did this kind of mosaic-y border around the edges and then did the diamond-shaped black and white tiles in there with the bull nose at the front. Mm. And uh, and that just looks, when, you, when you're grouting, I think I've still got grout in my fingernails, but when you're putting the grout in the tiles and then you wipe it all off yeah. and it all just looks finished, that is a really satisfying moment. And also there's just something about that being the entrance to your home. Yeah. You know, yeah. that is it. This yeah, is the absolutely. first thing that people see when they come to your house yeah. will be that. It's one of those funny things, and one thing I've learned is detail yeah. is actually everything. So even though people won't look at it or mention it or notice it even in, yes. in the subconscious, it all goes in. So like I've got a, a door in the in the under the stairs. So I've got a toilet door there, which I made nice by putting loads of nice trim around it uh, and mouldings. But then there was a door that was just a horrible piece of wood. And I took that out, used it as a template, and made it into a really nice, beautiful looking door. Now no one's gonna mention. That's nice. But it's there. It's just all, yeah. if you've got loads of these little differences, like in this house here, yeah. it just makes a whole bigger picture beautiful. Absolutely. The attention to detail mm. is exactly right. Um, you've talked about a few things that you needed to, you know, cover your face when you were sanding the floor. So let's talk a bit about the yeah. health and safety aspects of all of this. Because, mm. you know, if you're an amateur and you want to mm. get ripping up floorboards, you need to, or hammering the walls, you need to be careful because... You know, anything could be behind that wall. 
as we, as it turned out when my dad tried to do some home improvements yeah, back in Bradford. And he hammered a nail into the floor and uh -oh. hit a, a water pipe. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had a fountain. Me, me and my brother thought it was great because we had a fountain in the oh, bathroom. Uh, not so great for my dad's. Um, so, yeah, so what tips would you give people about health and safety? What should they be thinking about? You can't be overly cautious, basically. Uh, so many accidents happen on the building site and more so for DIYers because the, the builders are trained to know what PPE that they should be using. Uh, DIYers probably don't think about it as much. Now, you probably have no idea how much you're inhaling when it comes to if you're cutting tiles or if you're cutting bricks or if you're sanding floorboards uh, or if you're sanding down walls before you paint them. These are all airborne particles going into your mm. lungs. They go nowhere else but going into your lungs. So I'd say uh, masks are uh, very important. You only get one set of eyes. There's something called the safety squint that people laugh about. You go, that's all right, I'll just do the safety squint. There's less, less room to get into my eyes. Don't do that. Wear goggles, goggles at all yeah. times. And also, one that I've totally overlooked, which I'm starting to use more, is ear protection. Mm. So I'm using a, a tile cutter uh, recently, and afterwards, my ears were ringing so badly. So you should always wear... You know, you're like a sci-fi movie. I mean, you know, you've got yeah, stuff everywhere. Keep, but you've all, got... the, all orifices protected. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> And um, what about sustainability? Is that important to you? I mean, it's going to be important to quite a few people listening to this. Yeah, sustainability. I think more and more companies are pushing sustainable products now within the building world. Uh, I know there's uh, companies uh, like Hippo uh, who are specialised in like caulking and adhesives and stuff like that. And they've got these these cool um, re reusable um, uh, guns, silicone guns. So basically it's an outer casing and you put like what oh, looks like a sausage, you know, like the pate sausage. Yeah. yeah. They've got the wire on either end. And that is full of your adhesive or silicone or, or cork. And you put that in there. You go, da, 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 da. So instead of throwing away a whole big tube that goes in your skeleton gun, you just got a tiny bit of packaging. So, so there's loads of companies now that are being sustainable about their products. So you can just find people that, you know, will be able to provide you with things that kind yeah. of fit your lifestyle. Also, uh, silicon gun, another very satisfying tool. Lovely action of yeah. silicon coming out. Yeah, putting it and then running your finger over it. Oh, delicious. Isn't it great? Isn't it lovely? Yeah. <laughs> Right, most people know you from Dick and Dom. We know that you've had this really great TV career for years and years and years, and now you found a whole new audience doing DIY. So you've stepped into a new life. Does yeah. it feel like it's a whole new opportunity for you? It's always going to be a side hustle for me. So it's going to be like a, something that I really enjoy doing. I've always enjoyed DIY. I've always been very passionate about it. Yeah. But now I'm kind of getting to a point. I'm definitely not an expert, but I'm, I'm learning. And I, I, I never get bored of learning. Always learning off people. Whereabouts are you in the process? Uh, upstairs has not been done. I've got two bathrooms that I need to do. Um, they're still the same as when we moved in. Tom, here's the thing, though. We're not in the pandemic anymore. Yeah. You could just get someone in to do it. Where's the fun in that? Where's the fun in that? Um, again, it's about learning. Your thirst for learning. I wanted to do more. And and look, I know that trade will do a better job than I could ever do. Uh, I've got a couple of guys um, um, who are wonderful, who will, if they're doing a job, they will let me do it with them. I'm probably the Biggest pain in the ass. I'm sure you are. Uh, I mean, an absolute nightmare. In fact, a friend of mine said that I'm like the kid with the wooden spoon that says they baked a cake, but they just stirred it like that. So I'm a bit like that. Yeah, but, so you're um, looking over their shoulder. Yeah, uh, what a nightmare. What a nightmare. You sure you want to do it like that? And what's your relationship like with your followers? Do they kind of give you suggestions? And has it become quite collaborative? Because here's the interesting thing about social media. 
you can have that dialogue with people. It's not just you putting yeah. out content as you do yeah. on TV. Yeah. They tell you in real time what yeah. they think and and how's that and have they given you ideas? Do you know it has become the most uh, honestly the most wonderful community you could imagine. There's so many trade on there, male and female, which is a wonderful thing. By the way, females in the trade game is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they are amazing. And, you know, they're coming through and battling through what they've got to battle through to get to where they want to get to. And it's really, and actually what's happening now is they are being encouraged and supported by the males within the industry now, which is a really good thing. Um, and and they, they are all giving me so much advice. I think at first I had a few people going, stick to your day job, stick to shouting bogeys and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, <laughs> well, that's just totally the wrong message. You're meant to be saying, go for it, mate. Yeah. And by the way, whilst you're doing it, Try doing it like that. And I've got a few different people who just constantly offer advice. So if I do, I'll, I'll film a story and go, anyone got any advice on whether I should be using a tile cutter or an angle grinder to do cuts on this? And the amount of replies. I'm, does that surprise me? I mean, you're talking to a lot of DIY experts out there. And what yeah. there's one thing that we all know, if you do home improvements, there's nothing more that you like to do than give people advice. Yeah. If that's uh, yeah, your yeah. thing. Ooh, Ooh are, you sure, are you sure you want to do it? <laughs> oh, it's going to cost you. Oh, I have yeah, this. Yeah. Um, has Rich been to see it? Uh, Rich is around all the time. Do you know what? He it's it's been wonderful because he comes over and see, uh, comes over and sees it. But it's encouraged him to pick up the roller because he usually pays people to do the jobs yeah. and get it done properly. You know, um, uh, but he's been getting out his roller and his paintbrush and he's been painting his house. He's about to start a, a kitchen extension soon. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Is he yeah. going to do it himself? No, I don't think so. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from this entire process? It doesn't just have to be about property. It can be something about yourself or you are only limited by your own ambition so if you say i can't then you won't if you say i can then the chances are you can i never would have thought in a million years when i started i'd be able to achieve what i've achieved and it's made me realize that if you are focused and you believe you can you really can but with the support of wonderful people who are giving you advice as well yeah yeah absolutely and also make sure you have the right tools it's been brilliant i've loved it lovely thank you thank you stay there stay right there finally the expert has arrived to save us from our conversation yep. dom as interesting as it was mm. we want to know the facts now so joining us is hampton's home expert head of sales for islington vicky broad Welcome. Dom and I are both the sorts of people who have walked into houses that needed a lot of work and said, we're going to do it. But most people don't. What advice would you give to people when they do see a house that is in disrepair? Should they go for it or not? Absolutely. I, I think there's still definitely reason to go for a property that needs renovation. And I think you really have to think about whether you're doing it to sell in a couple of years or whether you're doing it for the long term and think strategy. If it's something you're going to sell within a couple of years, then make sure you know your market, make sure you know who you're going to sell to and pitch it for them rather than for you. Often we see people fall into the pit hole of they're spending money for them and then they won't get that money back in the short term. But if you're doing it for you for five to 10 years, then absolutely throw the money at it, do it exactly to your taste, and you'll enjoy living there. And in the long term, you'll definitely make money from it. Oh, that's so interesting. So if you're buying it for your home, then put all your personality and spend all the money. But if it's just an investment that you want to sell on, so what should you be thinking about then? What makes it sellable? 
I think you touched on personality there. And for me, personality is everything. I think often people go in and whitewash or just put like greys on the wall. But actually anything that we're selling at the moment that's getting multiple bids, going over asking price, it's got personality. So don't be afraid to be you, even if it's just for an investment. But just think about, I mean, in terms of kitchens, you can spend 5,000, you could spend 100,000. Think about who that demographic is and who you're you're aiming at and tailor it to them. And your own budget. And your budget. I mean, imagine having a £100,000 kitchen done. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. And so it's all about the panelling then. Get that, get that panelling in place. Yes. That's all the detail, right? Um, so old buildings that are ripe for renovation. What about the red flags? What should we be looking out for when we go in? Well, people love period properties because they've got so much charm. So I think they'll always be popular. But things do come up. I mean, I'd always say to people, get a really good surveyor to go around. Don't just rely on your mortgage survey. And the things that come up for us there are, I mean, damp comes up all of the, the time. Most properties have some form of damp in them. Electrics come up. Um, Japanese knotweeds, one that, that comes up more frequently than you'd think. Mm. And historically, I think the Victorians thought it was a beautiful plant and put it along railways and now obviously cause us, causes us problems. But there's usually a solution. Even Japanese knotweed isn't a showstopper. People just panic when they see it. Um, you just need a management plan. In, in place. And I think that's the key point, really. There's usually a solution, but su surveyors naturally go around and need to protect you and need to protect themselves. Just get another expert in who's more um, used to those things coming up. And so a second opinion. Second opinion. Did you have to, did you find anything in your property? Well, uh, like Japanese knotweed? Yeah. Uh, well, we, uh, we had things like asbestos, Yeah. but I decided before we bought it to do an asbestos survey on the house to make sure that it was safe to live in and also to get that removed before the family moved in. So we had asbestos, we had a problem with bamboo growing outside the front of the house, oh, wow. which is like Japanese yeah. knotweed. Yeah. Once it's in there, if there is a tiny bit of the, I think it's rhizome or something like that, well, part of the root in, in the soil, it will grow. It will just carry on growing. So I, I had to use this chemical to get rid of it. So there were a few, had some damp as well, some damp. But the, the point is that don't be put off completely because there are solutions. It is the most depressing read ever when you get your survey report back. Don't be put off. Okay, so um, what about terms of actually planning your renovation, getting in touch with the right people, getting permissions before you start? Yeah. Um, so I used to be a planning consultant and I can tell you, you just don't know until you actually start looking into it. But you'll often see estate agents in the garden looking up and down is the precedent. And generally, if next door's done some work, um, if they've done the side and rear addition, then usually there's a good chance you'd be able to as well. Um, I'd be cautious of any listed buildings, conservation area, then it can be a little bit trickier. And then in terms of your contractors as well, I just ask estate agents, ask friends who've done work in the area just for recommendations. We are, the three of us are sitting here as people who are not afraid of going in and, and we've done our renovations and you absolutely know you're the expert. Do you ever get clients that are put off and do you try and help them see beyond what they can't see? What we often get is clients who want a project and then you show them a project yeah. and they really don't want a project. They want to go in and paint and, and change the carpets. Um, I bought a renovation and didn't want to. I wanted a turnkey home. So I think it's just speaking to people about, actually, you can put exactly your stamp on it. These turnkey properties are amazing, but often you're still sitting there and think, I would have done something differently. Yeah. So 
So how was your renovation project? Just how bad was it? It was pretty bad, um, but I found it super fun. Did you do and it yourself? Did you do lots of, yeah? As or? much as I could. I, I um, Bathroom tiles up, putting the patio down, any stripping of wallpaper. Yeah, I, I did as much as I could, budget-wise, really. I just wanted to save as much money. Um, and then you've got to find people that you can trust to do the work. Can I ask you a question about Instagram, whether that's mm. had an effect on people mm. buying properties? Because there's, to me, there's either one of two uh, directions it's changed. One is people only wanting an Instagram-ready home. Yep. One, they see it on Instagram, they go, oh my goodness, look at these beautiful homes, I must have that straight away. Yeah. Or has watching people do renovations on Instagram made people think, oh, I'm going to do that? I think a bit of both. I think Instagram can make it look really easy to do a renovation mm -hmm. and those accounts get massive <laughs> followings. Um, but there is definitely, particularly I'd say in Islington where people are kind of cash-rich, time-poor, mm. they don't have the time to do the renovation. So mm. ideally, they'd pay extra just to get something that's ready to go. So let's talk about quick fixes. What can people do in their homes that will add value, but also just make it a nicer experience to live in? Yeah, I think it's really interesting when you sell a home, your home's the best it's ever been and you've done it for somebody else rather than for yourself. Um, but there's tons of things you can do. I think even painting, and again, back to that bit of personality, don't be afraid to do bold colours and, and not just doing the whitewash. Is that right? Because I thought it's the whitewash that sells a property. I mean, I've got a house that is full of bold colours and I just yeah. think no one else is going to want to live here. Um, so bold colours is good. I think within reason. If it's something that's going to divide opinion, then you might think about toning it down. But I've just sold a property where the living room's got black walls and actually it gives a really nice feel to it. And mm. I've just always thought like buy from like. So mm. if you can come in and imagine yourself living there, that's when you get that emotion and that's when people will pay to, to live there. And what about quick fixes? What can people do in terms of making their house just more desirable to sell? Like carpet, no carpet, what should we what should we be thinking about? I think as long as carpet, no carpet is totally personal preference. So I mean changing the carpets, getting wood floors can make a huge difference. Painting the walls can make a huge difference. Even things like kitchens where you've got a really decent quality kitchen, it's just maybe a bit old fashioned. You can think about changing the doors, painting the doors. Even changing tiles isn't a massive job, but it can give it a totally different feel. I think we need to talk about renters as well. We can't leave the renters out of this because we have a, a generation that can only afford to rent or just about afford to rent in London. Um, and if they want to put a personal touch on their property, what can you get away with? Get totally, totally dependent on your landlord. I think if we stick with what most people can get away with, I think you can look at adding rugs makes a huge difference. Totally frames a room and brings love, it to life. Love a rug. Love a rug. Love a good rug. Again, you can think about which kind of paintings you put up. You might not be able to put them on the walls, but you can still add colour. You can add cushions, lots of different things. And depends on your relationship with your landlord. So one of my tenants wanted to paint the walls. And that saves me a job and makes them feel like they're in their home. So we just agreed colours. They showed me pictures afterwards and happy days. Yeah, surely that's the dream tenant. The ones that want to put up their own curtains, put blinds in, paint the walls, yeah, make it homely. They want it to be their home, they'll invest in it. Yeah, and they will stay there for a little while. Because, um, Dom, you've flipped properties in the past. Yeah. But do you do them up for yourself to yeah. live in or do you have one eye on selling? And in which case, where do you kind of restrain yourself? What do you do that is actually for resale rather than to make it home? So whenever we buy a property, when we're doing it up, we absolutely always have in our mind the fact we'll have to sell it 
and to make it not a generic space, but a, a space that they know that they can see their furniture in. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So we won't we won't customize it too much, but you know we do make it attractive and fun, but we don't fill it full of clutter. Yeah. So that, that when it comes to selling it, they go, ah, oh, that would look good there. That would look good there. That would be good there. So last bit of advice, Vicky, then for anybody listening who has never done any home renovation and who really wants that turnkey property, what would you say to them to tempt them into doing a bit of work themselves? I just think back to the, the point that you can get your dream home um, without somebody else's taste. And it's never as difficult as you think. You'll always have hurdles along the way. But actually, I found it really fun doing mine. Yeah. Mm. And also the satisfaction mm. once it's done. And do you know, do you know and, and that period of building, again, gratitude gets you through it. Aren't I lucky to be in the position to be having this done? Yeah. And the second thing is, that process of the build becomes a memory quicker yeah. than you can ever imagine. So true. Suddenly, within a few weeks, you're like, you can't even remember be, people being in the house. Yeah. At the time, it becomes it quite feels stressful. It like the longest time, but yeah. actually... It certainly does. Yeah, Are we ready to play a game? Absolutely. Okay, so I have an iPad in front of me with a word or two words or a thing on it. Mm. And it's basically heads up. You're going to describe it and I'm going to try and guess what the heck you're on about. <laughs> Shall we do it? All right. All right. Go for it. What's that word? What goes is it? around the bottom of a room above the floorboards. Skirting board. Correct. Hey. Very good. All right, I know about these. I put one in myself made of marble. Um, Ooh, uh, worktop, kitchen. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, mine was made of marble, but you would put this on your wall with, and it looks like it has no support. You drill it into the wall. Drill it into you the wall. Put Fla- splashback. No, you put shelf. You can, yeah, it's a, it's a type of shelf, but it's not one that looks like it's got brackets underneath. So it looks like it's floating shelf. Oh. A marble floating shelf? Check I you don't out. know what this is, so you're going to have to take this oh, one. God. <laughs> if you don't know what it is, I don't think I'm going to have a hope in hell. Uh, you use it for chopping up bits of wood. You can choose different saw. angles. You can choose different angles. Angle grinder. No, it's a type of saw. You're halfway there. But um, oh. you use it Circular to make Circular saw. Was it that saw that you mentioned earlier? What was it? It was so a... It was. T- um, t- 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 it, it's, not a, um, it's not a fighter saw, but it's a... <laughs> Lover saw. <laughs> Rhymes with fighter. Oh, mitosaur. Yeah, a lover, not a fighter lover. <laughs> Go on. What's that? Oh, okay. So around the skirting board. That's right, yeah? Mm-hmm. It goes around the skirting board to connect it to the floor. Oh, the, um, the da- da- what's it called? Dowel? The, what's it Dowel is, is just round. So it's, it's, it's the... like a quarter of a piece of Yeah, dowel. so what's it, what's it called? It's called the... <clears throat> oh, I can't remember what the word is. I um, should know this. Okay. You might have a bracelet made of these. Diamonds? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't look. remember. Go on. Go on. What is it? Beading. Oh, beading, of course it is. Yeah. All right, here we go. Next one. Oh. Last one. Uh, you walk on them in the bathroom. Tiles. Which type of tiles? Underfloor heated tiles. How <laughs> <laughs> you've got them. <laughs> I think more generic. Um, Just kind of... Bathroom not... tiles. Yeah, well... What are they? Yeah. What is what it? Do? Floor in there. What yeah. is it? Floor, Floor tiles. tiles. Oh, oh, well done. I didn't think I did all right. But your descriptions were excellent. <laughs> uh, Vicky, Dom, thank you so much. Thanks, thank you. We'll be following your home improvements mm. online. And Vicky, when I want to sell my house or buy one, I'll be coming to see you Perfect. very well. soon. that's it i'm afraid all we've got time for but remember you can join the conversation online using our hashtag no place like hamptons we want to hear about your renovation stories in the comments the highs the lows the diy nightmares and the ultimate payoffs and lastly i'd like to thank my guests 
Dominic Wood and Vicky Broad. And most importantly, you, our listeners. Wherever you're listening, press that subscribe button to access the best home improvement expertise throughout the year. I'm Anita Rani, once again reminding you that there is no place like home. Hold up. 